What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you on this wonderful Wednesday evening, last evening in March. Tomorrow, when we get on the show with John McClain, and of course, Mark will be here as well, that will be draft month. Oh my goodness. I cannot wait. We are less than a month away from the NFL draft, and we got plenty for you tonight. Drew Doherty is going to stop by in our next segment, and we're going to talk about the coaching staff. Something we talked about on our In the Lab podcast. We'll have that for you, talking about differences, not better or worse, but differences, how a good coaching staff can really aid this ball club, this organization going forward. So we'll talk a lot about that in the next segment. We'll go around the NFL because there's still a lot of happening in the NFL, including 17th game made official. I can't remember. The days are all running together, whether it was yesterday or today, but it was made official. And I have I have my own theory for the 17th game. I want to get into that. We'll do that later in the show. We're going to kick it off with one of the most recent additions of the Texans, a trade made between the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans as true to the heart Texan Marcus Cannon, right tackle, offensive lineman, joins the Houston Texans. Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him. This was really fun stuff to catch up with former TCU Horned Frog and Odessa High star Marcus Cannon. Welcome to the Texans, Marcus. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being on. It's a pleasure to have you on. And I was going to ask you, like, how do you like Houston so far? But here we are in COVID still, so you really haven't had time to come in and, and get assimilated into the building and all of that. Is that kind of strange that now you're with a new organization, but you're really not in the building and in the scene yet? It's got to feel a little different. Yeah, it felt a little different. I actually went up there last week and uh, met all the coaches, checked everything out, and it's weird. Uh, I don't quite know where I'm going in there yet, but, yeah, I can't wait to get in there, though. Marcus, a lot's been made about the fact that you love Texas. Grew up here. Uh, you grew up in Odessa. You played your ball at TCU. You spent some time in the Northeast, and now you're, quote, unquote, coming home. How does that feel to be back in the state of Texas? Is, is that true? Are you that big a fan of the state of Texas that you just wanted to come back here and be back here in the finest state in America? Man, I'm so excited to be back and playing here. Uh, yeah, you know, all my family's here. Um, and, you know, like you said, I love this place. I have ranches here, property here. And, man, you, you don't get any better than Texas. Marcus, talk about the offensive line and, and how you – I mean, I know that you guys haven't practiced yet or anything, but, you know, how you see yourself in this line, where you're going to line up, how it's all going to work out for you, what are your thoughts, what are your hopes? Just discuss that for us if you could. Well, in my career I've played four different positions and, you know, there's – we haven't really gotten to talking where I'm playing or when I'll be playing. and You know, that's fine with me. I'm just – you know, I'm excited to be on the team and be be able to help them and however they need me. You know, any position they want me to play, I'm ready. I have done it, and I'm ready to do it again. Let's go. Marcus, a lot has been made. I have some, some friends, I say in air quotes, and whenever we talk about offensive line play, they look at me and go, what's the difference between a guard and a tackle? There's no difference. I mean, it's three feet to the left or right. 
how big a difference is it to play different positions on the offensive line? Man, they're all, it, it's, it's a big difference in all of them. You know, some things stay the same, but just your technique going from tackle to guard. And then on the other hand, going from right to left is different, you know, different foot forward, different technique. And, you know, the hand placement and how you're moving is all the same, but it's just, uh, I think, getting your body used to it and having those reps at whatever position you're playing just so you can get those technique down and get everything mastered and get to where you, you need to be to play in the game. Marcus, playing on the O-line, when you're pass blocking and a touchdown pass is thrown and you've been a part of some really big ones and a lot of them, high volume, uh, is that the most enjoyable thing or is it just knocking somebody over in a run play that's successful? I mean, how do you see it as an O-lineman? A lot of guys prefer the run blocking, but again, you've been part of a very successful passing offense in your career. Man, anyway, we get that touchdown. That's the greatest feeling <laughs> on the field, you know, working your tail off and, you know, you spring one, you throw one, you run one. Uh, it doesn't matter. If it's, if it's a touchdown, I love it. You know, I love driving guys and, you know, the running back gets through there, runs all the way. It doesn't matter how you get the touchdown. I love it. Now, Marcus, you can look at the screen and realize that the two guys that are talking to you are way, way, way older than you. Way older than you. So I want to make sure I say this properly. But you've been around the league for a little while now. You're the sage, wise veteran. How important is it to you to impart your wisdom onto some young guys that really, really need it? Some guys coming into the league, some guys that have been there for a year or two. How important is it for you to impart that wisdom, things you've learned onto those guys as they move forward? Uh, you know, in, in my career, I've, I've, I've had highs, I've had lows, I've had where I was a swing tackle, where I was required to start a position that I only had, you know, a couple of weeks and maybe even a week or two to learn. So, um, you know, it's, it's great. I, I'd like to give what I know and impart my wisdom on those guys in any way. If they want it, I'll give it to them. But, uh, yeah, uh, if they if they want it, I'll, I'll give it to them and, you know, if if they do ask me to to do be in that type of position, you know, I'd be uh, grateful to help and teach guys what I learn, and you know, just tell them how I had to go through everything. Marcus Cannon with us. Marcus, you were part of a TCU offense with Andy Dalton at quarterback, and you guys had some success, no doubt. Do you still stay in touch with those guys and Andy, and you know, discuss that for us if you could, the TCU connection and how long it's lived for you. Yeah, I still t stay in touch with a lot of those guys. Um, uh, last year, I was playing a little bit of softball with uh, some of those guys. And, you know, I, I text Andy here and there. And, you know, he texts me when uh, I signed with these guys and with the Texans. And I, sign I text him when he signed with the Cowboys and also text him when, you know, with the Bears. And, uh, you know, we all, we all stay in contact with each other. And uh, sometimes, you know, we see if it wasn't COVID, we usually go to uh, Patterson's house every year and have a little barbecue and we all get together and, you know, but uh, because of COVID, we didn't do it last year, but you know, it's, it's crazy how tight the uh, TCU team that I played for. And, you know, even the guys under us are, uh, we try to stay in contact with each other. And a lot of us end up staying around the DFW area. So it's been good. One of the greatest names in college football history, Tank Carter. Yeah. Some reason I just yeah. see that guy in the Rose bowl making those plays. Marcus, I thought about you knowing we were going to interview you. Yesterday was March 28th, and 
That's a pretty important day, apparently, to the internet and to some people <laughs> in the Northeast. You're not walking back into that building going to be playing your ball in the same building where that took place. And what people people don't know, it's a 28 to three comeback to beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. What's your biggest takeaway that you remember from that game? You know, all these you know all these years ago. What do you remember most about that 28 to three comeback against the Falcons that happened at NRG Stadium? Uh, the most thing I, I remember is all my family getting to come because it was in Texas. And, yeah. you know, that that might have been on my list of the greatest ones we've been to. I think that was the best because I was around all my family right here in Texas. It was nice and warm. But uh, I don't know. There's so many things from that game. You know, we had to come back. We had to stick together as a line and come through. But, you know, those are old memories. But I, just the whole memory of that whole Super Bowl, you know, I love it. It's one of my favorites. Marcus, when you see guys like Nick Casario, Jack Easterby, James Lipford, guys who used to be with the Patriots, I mean, being in Texas is one thing, but having some familiarity with those guys has to help in the transition. What do you think? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great seeing those guys again. Uh, you know, I was real close with Jack, and, you know, Nick was in our everyday meetings. Uh, he was available for to us when, if, if, whenever we needed him, so – uh, I created a good relationship with both of those guys, and I'm happy to be a part of the same organization as them again. Marcus, you mentioned it a little a little while ago about COVID, and you opted out of the 2020 season, and, and for good reason. You're a cancer survivor. You know, hats off to you, man. You're just an incredible individual. I have been asked about that from different people, and I always go back to Mark and I are in the building – we always watch the linemen shuffle down the hallway in weeks 14, 15, 16, because their body is so beat up. I can imagine you love football, but how did your body feel different in December this past year than it felt in December from previous years after 15, 16 games of just beating on top of guys um, and going through that, rig uh, that rigorous 16-game schedule plus playoffs? Man, my body feels great. It feels the best I've ever felt. Uh, you know, last year I had that shoulder injury and then before that ankles. And, you know, this year I got, you know, a whole year of just being able to, you know, go outside, run, do some lifting. Uh, my favorite machine now is uh, my Versa Climber because it gets those <laughs> calories out as fast as anything. But yeah. it just it just felt good to go by a year and, you know, just work out, nothing too, no physical hitting and all that. And, you know, my neck feels great. My fingers, you know, usually offensive linemen fingers hurt a year after the season's over. And, you know, everything feels good. And I'm, you know, very fortunate to have gotten that time off. And I'm very thankful for how I use my time because I could have just sat around. But, you know, I got moving and tried to stay in the best uh, shape I could. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Marcus, you're from Odessa, right? So... This is the land of Friday night lights. I mean, you know, that part of the state, it's everywhere in Texas, we know. But that part of the state, there's something different going on. Have people asked you about that throughout your career? Like, oh, my gosh, that's the part of the state where, you know, the book is based on Permian, actually, and all of that. How do you relay that to people, the religion that is high school football in that part of Texas? Well, that's always, it's always a great conversation when somebody asks me. I mean, they ask, where are you from? I say Odessa, and they immediately say, Permian, and it's <laughs> no, I, I went to the other school, Odessa High. We actually beat them my two two years there. But, man, that's it. Odessa, West Texas, 
it everything shuts down. It's when when that game comes around, everybody the only thing they're thinking about is high school football. And you know the kids there work hard. They they work hard as hard as they they need to work for when they come to college. Um, it's crazy the things that we did in high school just to prepare us for a game. And then when we got to college, it wasn't anything crazy. It was uh, familiar territory, you know. We got to work hard as hard as we did back back home. And you know those guys, those kids put a lot of effort into it. The coaches and you know they're doing a re- really good job out there. And that's why everybody knows about West Texas football is because everybody knows how serious it is when you're there. Well, Marcus, Marcus go ahead. One more, Johnny. All right, we we ask this uh, of everybody as you get ready for a game. Everybody gets ready in their own different way. A lot of people listen to music. What's your go-to pregame music to get you ready for battle? Oh, man. There's a lot. Sometimes, you know, I listen to uh, like uh, hip-hop piano covers, and other times I listen to Christian Rap, KB, uh, uh, Andy Mineo, and I. But most of the time I just sit quiet, watch some film, and just really try to get my head in the game. Usually about the, the two hours up to the game, I'm, you know, no headphones in. But when I get to the facility and I'm, you know, doing my hot tub, cold tub in the training room, that's usually what I'm listening to, watching my film. And then once that time hits, it's, you know, all the electronics go away. Phone gets put on uh, do not disturb. And, you know, it's just me and whatever sounds around me and then trying to focus and envision the players that I'm about to play during that, during that week. Well, Marcus, it's been great visiting with you. Welcome to the Texans once again. We look forward to seeing you on the field and seeing you in the building. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Nice meeting all you. That was fun stuff with Marcus Cannon, Odessa High star, TCU star, All-American, cancer survivor, world champion when he was with the New England Patriots. Great to catch up with Marcus Cannon. Such a super sweet guy, and we really had a fun time talking to him. I can't wait to talk about Handyman Projects. That's going to be fun. Handyman projects are always fun. And apparently, he gets his hands dirty. Maybe a little bit more than I, but I will say, I did install three faucets at the house this past weekend. Yeah, Handy Johnny. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Okay, by the way, I thought about this as I got the Zoom interview from our friend Omar. Before we started that interview, Mark's like, hey, Marcus, look at this. And he's wearing a TCU dry fit t-shirt under his Texans pullover and totally pandering. And I think Marcus kind of liked it. I was giving him the business for it. But Mark pandering to the uh, you know to the newest Texan, Marcus Cannon, I guess it's okay. I guess it's fine. It's not like it was Harvard or anything like that. It was TCU, so I'm cool with that. Purple and white, those are nice colors. I'm, I'm cool with that. All right. Marcus Cannon will eventually be coached by James Campen, offensive line coach. We talked about the coaches Drew and I did on our In the Lab podcast. We'll have that for you next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs. 
and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. Welcome back, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, the mobile version of it. I'm your host this evening, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. Now, I took over that job in 2014, and that's a it's a key point in what Drew Doherty and I are about to discuss. Because in 2014, as many of you remember, was the changeover from Gary Kubiak to... Bill O'Brien. Gary Kubiak had gotten the job in 2006 after Dom Capers was let go. And Bill O'Brien took over 2014. Different coaching staff, a lot of differences, changes along the way, et cetera, et cetera. And so people asked me a lot, knowing that I knew Bill O'Brien the way that I did, they asked me, how is it, you know, how the coaching staff's better, the coaching staff's better, it's this, it's that. And I would always remind them, it's different. It doesn't mean what Gary Kubiak did before was worse or what Bill O'Brien was doing was better. It's just, it's different. And sometimes different clicks. Sometimes the way that Bill O'Brien would say something was going to be different than the way Gary Kubiak said something. And maybe it was more effective when Bill said it. Maybe not as effective with Gary. Maybe it would be even more effective with David Cully. Who's to say? So when the conversation comes up, is this a better coaching staff? Is that well? It's, we we know it's it's different. We'll see in due time whether that is this is going to be a quote unquote better coaching staff. Now, what I do think we're going to have here is a coaching staff that really appreciates the teaching aspect of things. I feel like that's been a hallmark of all the coaching staffs that have been here: Dom Capers, Gary Kubiak, Bill O'Brien, and now David Culley. They all value being teachers. And that, I think, is a big, big thing uh, when it comes to this game. Being teachers, being leaders, stepping up in front, taking responsibility, uh, learn and teaching the game and helping players, still young players, still in their 20s, learn the game and learn how to be more effective as a player. So Drew and I got into a conversation about coaching staffs. Again, better, worse, I don't know about that, but it's different. So how does different play into David Culley's new staff with the Texans? Drew and I talked about that right about now. Hello, friends, and welcome into In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty. That's John Harris. It's good to be with him. It's good to be with you. We thank you for listening. We thank you for watching. However you're consuming this, it means a lot to us because, hey, John, I wouldn't have a job if it weren't for the fans. You wouldn't have a job <laughs> for the fans because they want to know sure. some more things about their football team and of course. We give it to them. And you and I discussed this at the end of last week's In the Lab. Yeah. And it's the idea or the, the question, how much better, how much worse, how much of the same might the Texans be in 2021 solely because of the coaching and – what might be enforced, what might be preached, what might be emphasized, how much better might this team be simply because of scheme, ideas, accountability, the differences that, that come with a new coaching staff. This is not to knock you know, what happened before, but just simply because of a change and what we know about how things operate. And this is a 
this could be a very long podcast. We're, we're condensing and kind of giving the Reader's Digest version because you can talk about the offense, you can talk about the defense, you can talk about all that stuff. But in general, John, what do you think about the idea that the Texans might see an improvement just because of what's gone on in the coaching staff change? Well, if you start kind of 30,000 foot view, is looking down. First and foremost, you have different, for the most part, you have different voices, but you have a different voice at the top. And no matter what that is, whether it's going from Dom to Gary, Gary to Bill, Bill to David, the voice is different. And that I think is going to be the first thing and how the tone is set coming from David Cully. So just the voice being different is bound to get your attention. And I'll give you an example that hits kind of close for me. When I was, I spent my four years with the same coaching staff uh, when I was at Brown playing football. Right, not the day, two, two days after our season was over, they wiped out everybody, brought in a whole new coaching staff. Of course, I still had a bunch of friends and what they were still there. That, what year was that when you were there when they wiped them out? Uh, I was there from 90 to 93. 93 is my last season. So 94 is a new season. And Mark Whipple, Gotcha. Um, who uh, went on to great things with UMass uh, in college football, also with the NFL, was Ben Roethlisberger's quarterback coach for a while. He comes in, and so I had a lot of friends still on the team, and I just would say to them, you know, how are things? And a lot of times I just got eye roll, or, you know, eye raises like, it's different, man. It's different. I said, well, is it better? And they're like, no, it's just different. And, of course, at that point they couldn't tell whether it was going to be better they just knew it was different and it came with a little bit more bite it was not as kind of sugary positive as our head coach was at the time and so they just told me it was different well then they got into the season and they were like it's better um the, those voices resonated with them the other thing about it is when you have a new voice everybody's everybody's prone or a new leader everybody's prone to kind of perk up a little bit like okay things are new I got to mind my P's and Q's here yeah. and be on top, be on top of things a little bit more than maybe I was. Maybe I got a little sloppy because I knew what the other coaching staff was going to say, or I knew what Bill was going to say on a Tuesday at three o'clock in the afternoon. I knew how they were going to react. I could, um, I could live with that, but all of a sudden new voice comes in good, bad. Otherwise all of a sudden you're like, all right, wait a second. I gotta, I gotta figure this out. I, I better mind watch myself here and then we can kind of figure out like what's the right play and then all of a sudden you realize hey I like this coach or I respect this coach I respect his vibe uh, I respect what it is that he's teaching me boy I like this technique work I like the example he used you know James Campen is one that comes to my offensive line coach yeah and you know he's, with the Green Bay Packers skins on the wall that guy I mean he is exactly been really no successful yeah no doubt and so he can say Hey, look, you know, Bakhtiari, Dave Bakhtiari, one of the best left tackles in the league. All pro, yeah. Yeah, tremendous guy. Fourth round pick. Hey, when we got him, he tended to do this. And we gave him this little technique change. And that helped him. He told us it helped him. Uh, and so that's maybe something you can incorporate. Uh, maybe you want to use this. And I always think that's, that's the thing. I felt like this as a teacher and as a coach, Drew, I felt like, I had my responsibility was to give my players and my students the best opportunity to be successful. 
And so if they didn't like a particular method or they didn't get a particular method that I was giving to them, then I wasn't doing my job because I wasn't finding what it was that I could get out of them. Like, okay, some people like to think about two times two as two squared. Some people like to think about as two times two. And so you have to figure out like, all right, how do I, how do I give this person a different way of looking at it? Some like analogies, some just liked it black and white. And so you've got to figure out how do you get through to these wildly talented individuals on a day in day out basis and continue to give them tools and tips to make them better. And hopefully that's what this coaching staff is able to do. You just brought up something that's been, it's, it's been eye-opening and, it, and this happens across the NFL, but you know, we've been up here in the offices quite a bit yeah. uh, and we've interacted with a lot of these coaches. David Culley is somebody that, you know, you see in, He's got his style, and he's razor sharp. And this is a guy who has preached the, – the two times that I interviewed him preached the, the importance of being a good teacher, something you just mentioned. Nick Casario, you know, underscored that the time I interviewed him earlier yeah. this offseason. Teaching is a big, big deal to these guys. But what you talked about, the different ways of teaching, it's very reflective of who these assistants are because yeah. I've talked with Campin. I've talked with Lovey Smith. They're not like – Cully. They're different personalities. So right. you, and that's going to be true of a lot of these other guys. Tim Kelly, who we know pretty well. Right. Uh, you know, the, the Danny Barrett, the running backs coach, who we have a good right. relationship to. They all teach in their own separate way, like you're talking about, the two times two versus two squared. So it's going to be interesting to see. And I'm not saying, you know, count on X number of wins over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. You might not win as many. You might win less. But there is a definite emphasis on that on teaching and having different sets of experience and different yep. ways of coming at you and teaching you because Lovey Smith is not the same as David Culley is not the same as Tim Kelly is not the same as Danny Barrett and so on and so on and so on. But it's going to be a kind of an interesting gumbo, I think when, when it all comes, you know, to be. And here's another you know aspect. And, and the interesting part of this Drew is that talking about coaching, but I'm not talking about the actual coaches themselves. Right. Sometimes as adults, we get set in our ways. We get stubborn. We don't really want to hear it from our boss. You know, sometimes you can tell me something and I'll listen to it more than I will if sometimes Mark tells me that because, you know, something is our boss. Okay. <laughs> what I mean by that is I think it's going to be very helpful to have some key veterans on this team that can teach and coach as well Yeah, that have, the not only the the desire to do it, but the ability to do it. So a guy like Mark Ingram comes in. You know, he's in a situation in New Orleans where he had to help along Alvin Kamari, went to Baltimore. He had to help along J.K. Dobbins. And I don't want it to be like, okay, Mark Ingram can't play. He can just be a good uh, teammate. No, I think Mark Ingram still got something left in the tank. But if he takes that wisdom and he imparts it onto a young running back that gets drafted this year or a young running back like Scotty Phillips or even Buddy Howell or even David Johnson, yeah. you know, there's something that he might be able to impart to them. You have Marcus Cannon. And the reason I bring this up is I was asking this of Marcus on Monday. I said, look, Mark and I are way older than you, but in football terms, you're, you're up there in age a little bit. You've been around. You've seen some things. How important is it for you to share your wisdom with younger people and younger players? And he said, as long as they want it, I'll give it to them. Yeah. And I think that's going to be hugely important because sometimes, man, you don't want to hear it from your position coach. You don't want to hear all that. 
You want to hear it from Laramie Tunsil. You want to hear it from Marcus Candy. You want to hear it from Terod Taylor. You want to hear those things. And as I talk and I mentioned Terod Taylor, I think of, of Hard Knocks the last couple of years, watching him on or probably two last three years, watching how he interacts with the players, the things that he talks to them about. Sometimes it's something as simple as adjusting the tempo of your cadence. Sometimes it's up to line scrimmage, what you're looking at, mic points, all that kind of stuff. And so I think bringing in the veterans that the Texans brought in, that Nick was able to sign and bring here, those guys I mentioned, Marcus Cannon, Terod Taylor, Mark Ingram, you know, those guys have got, they've got plenty of wisdom to share, and young players just have to try and absorb that. And the ones that do absorb it from them, they're obviously absorbing it from the coaching staff. They're going to get it from David Culley as well. And all of a sudden it works out to be a much better overall situation. Now, there were, there were definite signs of that in the past. There's no, no doubt. It wasn't as if that was not the previous coaching staff. But you said it. Different is different. Different, always, different doesn't always mean better. There might be some things that are going to be better of this next staff, some things not as much. But we just know it's different. Yeah, And at this point, that's all, that's all we know. We like the makeup of it. You mentioned a couple of guys, James Camp and Lovey Smith, different. I, I like the fact, Drew, that with this coaching staff, it's sort of a bouillabaisse of, of personalities of, okay, this guy came from over here. This guy came from over here. A couple of guys are still here. Cully came from here. He brought, brought a couple of guys from Baltimore. And you throw it together because at that point, you don't have all one way of thinking. It's different ways of thinking. Hey, when I was with the Bears, we did this. Hey, with the Packers, we did this. Hey, Baltimore, we did this. We're going to go with this. We're comfortable with this. Hey, but coach, what do you think about this? And I think everybody's willingness to share ideas from where they've been ends up, and you never know which idea it's going to be. Maybe it's a fourth down play. Maybe it's a coverage idea. Maybe it's a coverage tweak. You know, maybe guys that have been here in the building already can say, uh, and speak to the personalities of certain players that new coaches coming in can kind of, you know, understand, hey, this guy's a little bit more of a guy who learned the board. This is a guy who learns through the walkthroughs. Some of that information will help these new coaches. So you throw it all together, it's different. It feels like it's going to end up being a really good situation for guys that are coming in. But it all depends on the ability of these men and women to teach every day in every facet of, of what they're doing on a football field and off. Uh, yeah. And hopefully that's going to take place. And that's talking about the coaches. And then you, you were mentioning earlier a byproduct of some of the veterans, because you know how some th things can sometimes get twisted. You're talking about a nice byproduct of who these veterans yeah. are. They're brought here to play. They're not brought of here course. to coach. And all no doubt. And I know you no know that, but just in case some folks – Sometimes. Now, I'm glad you said that because that can be misconstrued, and I think you're right. And that's why I said about Mark Ingram, the fact that, look, you brought him in there to play. If you wanted a guy to coach, you would have brought him in to coach. You still think he's got something left in the tank. The byproduct, like you said, is that wisdom that can then be important. And I think that's a, that's a valuable, valuable piece. What the veterans lose maybe in a half step here, a half step there, and quickness and speed and all that, Maybe they, they gain. Yeah. Yes, they compensate with the knowledge of, hey, I know this guy's blitzing over here. I'm just going to go straight over there. I don't have to think about it. I'm going to get straight over there. So if a guy runs a 4-7-40 now, but he knows who to pick up, but a guy runs a 4-3-40 and he doesn't know who to pick up on blitz, 
you know, it's, it's kind of simple. The, at that point, the IQ and the football IQ take over and get a guy on the field, whereas the other guy's got to get up to speed. So that's, uh, that's kind of the way I look at it. But you're, I'm glad you brought that up because I, th- I think it's true. I still think Mark Ingram's got something to tank. So does Sherrod Taylor, Mark Scannon. I think they all do. But that wisdom that they have to share, I think, is valuable as well. No doubt. All right, I'm going to leave you with a fun fact. I'm pretty sure you already knew this anyway, but I bet a lot <laughs> of the listeners and viewers did not know this. Lovey Smith is a defensive coordinator. Hardy Nickerson Jr. is on the squad right now. Yes. Lovey coached him for a season at Illinois in 2016. But Lovey coached Hardy Nickerson Sr. as an assistant with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the mid to late 90s. So it's kind of fun. You don't often hear about or see coaches. Interesting coaching both a father and son combination in the NFL. And How about that? NFL and college. And Hardy Nickerson Sr. was an assistant under Lovey Smith in 2017 yeah. in Illinois. So there's all yeah. sorts of webs. Yes, webs is the exact phrasing I was looking for. And by the way, I was a massive Hardy Nickerson fan coming out of Cal. And in the league, too. But when he was at Cal, I don't know, there's something about him that's just cool. I've always kind of had this infatuation with the West Coast and with Cal at that time. And Hardy Nickerson was one heck of a linebacker. Oh, I loved watching him play football. And now Hardy Nickerson Jr. in Houston, which is all kinds of cool. But yeah, we I mentioned it uh, at the outset of this segment. Coaching staffs are just different. You want every coach to br- that you bring in there to make players better. I, I always, and I feel like this staff will be quote unquote better, but I don't want to denigrate, you know, previous staffs, previous coaches, etc. But I hope that this staff is able to get as much out of this roster going forward. And hopefully with Nick Casario pulling the trigger and personnel, the, the talent will rise but it will continue to rise as their acumen for football grows, the coaching staff grows together, and this team can be what we all in Houston want it to be very, very soon. All right, we got one segment left. Let's go around the NFL. And I want to read this tweet of a guy that I follow who is a member of the Green Bay Packers media. I thought this was really interesting, and it leads to my discussion of the 17th game that became official in the NFL for 2021. There's some ideas. We'll get into those next right here on Texans All Access. 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 Welcome back to the final segment of this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio mobile version. Every time I say that mobile version, I feel like I'm in... You know, in my car, just like, you know, talking to you guys and recording it. And that's what I'm doing. But it's not quite like that. It's just the studio is mobile. Like where we're doing the show from. It's well, really, it's basically just my, uh, my radio slash studio slash office slash Zoom room in my crib. That's really what it is. I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It was great. Uh, Mark and Marcus Cannon to join me. Drew Doherty as well. This final segment, I, let's go around the league. And the last couple of days, uh, I guess it was yesterday that it became official that the 17th game was coming to the NFL. We've asked a few players. And, I man, we got done with Mark Ingram today. We'll have Mark Ingram on the show either tomorrow or Friday. 
Drew and I had a chance to catch up with Mark Ingram. And man, you talk about a great interview. Holy cow, that was some fun stuff. Mark Ingram is really fun to talk to. And then we talked to him off the air too, and he was even better. So anyhow, the one question I thought about asking him was, man, 17-game schedule. Your boy Alvin Kamara, AK-41, was not too happy about that 17th game. We didn't, I forgot to ask Mark Ingram about that. Either way, the 17th game is, it's become, you know, a talking point. Obviously, it seemed like it was a uh, negotiating point throughout the years, and the NFL really wanted it. I thought Seth made a great uh, observation the other day. Seth Payne, he was talking about it, said for a long time, he didn't think that was really what the owners wanted, was a 17th game or even 18th game. But apparently, uh, they did. So this is the first time since 1977 that there has been a change in the schedule. In 1978, not only did we have the Mel Blunt rule go into effect, which basically opened up the passing game, but they also went to 16 games, a 16-game schedule at that point. And it has remained 16 games until 2021. It will now be 17 games for the foreseeable future. We'll see if they get to 18. But I think there are a couple of key points. Number one, there was always 20 games, 20 times you could watch your team suit up. Four preseason, 16 regular season prior to. Now it'll be three preseason, 17 regular season. More bang for your dollar, I guess if you look at it that way. And the Texans will get nine regular season home games. You're still going to get your 10 games. It's just that one preseason, nine regular season. Now that ninth game, how they got to that, what they did was this. They looked at the previous year's inter interconference matchups. So, in 2019, we played the AF the NFC South. We went to New Orleans, lost on Monday night. We played Carolina, we lost at home. We played the Falcons, smoked them at home, and then we played the Buccaneers. Then clinched the AFC South with a win late in the season. So what they did was they went back a year from 2020. 2019, it said, okay, who did you play? Played the NFC South. We'll match you up by division winner. And I thought, okay, there's a, there's a kind of mathematical, you know, I could see how that, you're gonna it's going to evolve and you're going to know for the most part, all right, well, in 2021, it's the NFC South we'll match up with. In 2022, it'll be who we matched up in 2020. That'll be the NFC North. So let's say all things stayed the same, which hopefully they don't, but let's say they do. We finished third place. We would then match up with the third place team in the NFC North in 2022. And so I think that would be the Vikings. And we would go to the Vikings because Panthers, we play at home. We would go to the Vikings. And then you just go through the cycle. So it would be uh, NFC South we match up with this year, NFC North, then NFC West and NFC East, and we go on. That wasn't our theory. When Mark and I sat down and talked about what to do with that 17th game, I was like, man, I would love to see. At first, I was like, it's 18 games, so we got to do this for one of the games. And maybe when we do go to 18 games, this is what they'll do. But I thought there's got to be an opponent that you match up with and you play that team every year. I just think that's the way it should be done. And if it just if it comes out that that's the year you face that conferences, the opposite conference. So, for example, the NFC East. So we don't face the NFC East until 2022. Well, under my plan, we would have an annual battle with the Cowboys. 
So you would have these annual matchups. Washington football team versus the Ravens. Eagles versus the Patriots. Giants v. Jets. Cowboys v. Texans. I had a couple of matchup issues, but I kind of found, I thought, pretty good solutions. Like, I really couldn't find one with the Packers. So I went Packers, Steelers, Bears, Colts, Vikings, Browns, Lions, Bengals, Falcons, Jags, Bucks, Dolphins. That makes sense. Panthers, Bills. They have a shared history considering the personnel they've shared. Saints, Titans, Raiders, Seahawks, Rams, Chargers, Chiefs, Cardinals, 49ers v. Broncos. You would play those games every year. You would rotate home and away. Then when it became time to play those games uh, on your annual, your, your every four-year rotation, you just would play them twice. So be it. You just play them twice. So that's what I thought would be fantastic. But maybe they're saving that for the 18th game. I don't know. I just feel like you would create a rivalry. There's already one there between Dallas and Houston, no doubt. So the Cowboys-Texans is real, real easy. Very, very easy. Creating a rivalry between the... Uh, yeah, I don't know, uh, Chiefs and Cardinals, a little bit harder. But the more you do it, the more a rivalry comes out of that. I mean, if you think about it, we kind of have a little bit of a rivalry with the Chiefs. It's because we play every year, seemingly. Now, we won't play this year, but but you get the point. There's been a rivalry that's evolved out of that particular matchup. That's not the way that the league's going. I wish they would have done something like that. Now, some team would have said, well, we don't like that matchup. That's too far a trip, whatever. We don't like that rivalry. You would create one. But they're not going to go in that direction. I would have liked to have seen that. And I came up with 16 matchups that I thought would end up in time, geographical, in the same state. Some tie to them would make that a really cool interconference rivalry. It won't happen this year. Maybe down the road. Maybe at the end of a TV contract. Who knows? But it won't happen this year. But one other thing that is going to happen, and Mark and I discussed this last night. In fact, the two of us really, how it's the right way of saying this, we were acting as lifestyles of the rich and famous, essentially. Oh, if there was going to be an international game, where would you want to go? Well, we've been to Mexico City. We have been to London. So, of course, Mark and I were talking about Paris. We were talking about Rome. Well, Aaron Nagler, who covers Packers for Cheesehead TV, posted that Mark Murphy, CEO, president of the Packers, said that Munich and Berlin in Germany might be locations for future international games. That would be fun. I have not loved the idea of an international game only because I don't like the flight, but everything else, all about it. Absolutely love both those trips to Mexico City and London. Nagler said the Packers won't have an international game in 2021. But we don't know about the Texans. Maybe the Texans could be one of those that takes place in Munich or Berlin. There's always the opportunity to face the Jags in London, which I would do in a second. That was such a fun trip. I would love to see that 17th game be one of those rivalries. But I also don't mind every four years having an international contest. And we didn't go to one of those for a long time. Then we went in 2016, we went in 2019, and I would go again in 2021 if asked and required to go. Would absolutely love it. Munich and Berlin. Get 
on board with that. A big thanks to Mark, to Marcus Cannon, to Drew Doherty, to all of you for listening. 100% absolutely, truly appreciate all the support. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.